I'm Glenn Southam and welcome to the podcast that shares the challenges, successes and advice of marketing professionals working in recruitment. You also get to find out their favourite swear word. You can find me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Glenn Southam and the podcast website can be found at thelonelymarketers.com, the no strings network for marketers in recruitment. This is The Lonely Marketer Show. Let's get going. Hello everyone, welcome to the final episode of Series 1 of The Lonely Marketer. Um, the person who has the honour of being the final guest is Mr Chris Howard. Thankfully he's brought beer to this podcast as well, so depending on how long it goes it could get interesting. Um, Chris is currently the Chief Marketing Officer for Arbor Services, who are part of the Apis Albi Group. Um, Chris previously worked at SEC Recruitment as well as spending a large chunk of his career at the REC. So some great exposure to several recruitment businesses that I'm sure we'll discuss. So for the final time in this series, let's get this started. Ready to go? Yeah, mate. Cool. Let's go. Um, Chris is a kind of a podcast host and radio superstar already. Um, oh, don't so, give me that. <laughs> so so we're, expect, we're expecting big things here. Um, it is for, for Arsenal. So... You, probably don't need to tune in unless you're an Arsenal fan it's completely <laughs> irrelevant but I mentioned there and obviously you've been in a couple of businesses before it but your time at the REC that did that kind of shape you to be- become the marketer what you are today yeah I think it had a massive very impact. different to recruitment it is it's, it's very different yeah it's, it's yeah. really interesting because what it did was it gave me a grounding in the recruitment industry so I made lots of connections I met lots of really really lovely people you know, suppliers to the industry <laughs> you know you turned up eventually so um, um, I remember having a, a, a cheeky beer at the Excel Centre yeah. with you and, uh, and a couple of others so yeah. that was quite nice um, but yeah for me it was um, really good at building that network and the connections and understanding some of the issues that are faced within the recruitment industry yeah. but in terms of how a recruitment business ticks from a marketing side, you know, I'd probably say that I learned um, more in the two years when I was at Manpower beforehand and then yep. two years subsequently than the six and a half years at the REC. So the REC was good for learning about, you know, industry issues and things like that, yeah. getting those networks of connections because it's a good hub um, for recruiters to to converge and I think that's what a lot of the trade associations the events companies you've got the guys like UK Recruiter and things like that yeah. all of all these sort of places are really good for us as a as an industry to converge yeah. um, but if you want to really learn the nuts and bolts then you've got to be in there at the call phase yeah and so. I think I suppose with um, the irony of me saying this having started up a community type thing is you don't sometimes at those events you do kind of get the same people and I, I think it is starting to change, but recruiters on the agency side has been a like, historical just reluctance to kind of come out of your the company that you work in because you're you're scared that you're going to give away all these great trade secrets. When do you know what? Ultimately, there are no great trade secrets. There's good recruiters, there's bad recruiters, no. and that's kind of it. Well, it's funny, actually, because we had that mentality at Manpower. Now, yeah. I was at Manpower for just about a year and a half. Recession yeah. hit, and I yeah. went from a, being a brand manager looking after 11, 12 branches from a marketing side mm. down to looking after sort of five, six, and then doing other stuff around compliance and bid work, which wasn't really marketing at all. So yeah. um, that's actually why I looked for the role at the REC. But that was that mentality at Manpower. It was... 
we're the big dogs so you know um we don't need to people really, follow us yeah people yeah. follow us we don't actually need to seek advice from anyone else now that may have changed you know it's been many many years since i've been at manpower as a business um, yeah. a good business successful business global business so uh, and i've met so many great people from manpower but it was really interesting that mindset back then in yeah. 2008 2009 2010 it was very much from a marketing side you know why would we want to go along to these industry events and i thought at the time you kind of buy into that indoctrination mm. And then I joined the REC and realized that actually there's this... It's a big wide world out there. It's a big world. And there are a lot of, not just marketeers, but recruiters are yeah. willing to talk to each other and share ideas and things like that. And that yeah. was refreshing from my perspective. And I, I suppose, funnily enough, is you were a little bit of a, a pioneer yourself at the REC in, in terms of getting marketing people around tables and yeah. things, weren't you? Do you know yeah. what? That was born out of my own frustration yeah. because I thought, I want to actually just talk to other people that yeah. are of the same sort of level as me, going through the same experiences as me, yeah. the same frustrations as me. Yeah. I want to find out about what, what that is and how, how their lives work from the agency world. And that actually stood me in really good stead for when I then moved back into the agency world with SEC because... I kind of had a peer network yeah. and it's amazing how quickly that's grown in even in the last I feel like even in the last two or three years mm -hmm. it, it's mushroomed yeah. like the number of recruitment businesses that are recognizing the importance that I would say I, I say lead generating marketers and not there's almost two types of marketers in my mind you've got commercial lead generating marketers yeah. it's about delivering revenue back to the business and then you've got the old school, school sort of brand marketers, which um, a colleague of mine at the REC used to call the colouring in brigade. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, do you know what? Throughout this, throughout this um, series, is that phrase has, has yeah. come up a lot. And, yeah. and I think the probably the best, the best marketers or the best marketing functions within recruitment are a bit of both. They always need to drive the drive the revenue ultimately, and that's going to stand you in good stead, especially the more senior you get. But the brand element is important, isn't it? You know, you've you've kind of just joined a business where I'm sure there's a lot of low hanging fruit that that you yep. need to grab. That really, with your experience, you probably shouldn't be doing yep. in inverted commas. Well, doing but PowerPoint presentations and thinking, oh, my parents didn't spend all this money on a university <laughs> degree for me to do PowerPoint presentations. Yeah. yeah, you do have to get your hands dirty. Yeah. I think recruitment is it's an industry, certainly. The industry that I see in yep. this country, it's an industry where you you get very few marketeers that don't get their hands dirty every once in a while. Yeah. You know, we're not all sat, even when you get to like director level, you're not sat in a boardroom all yeah. of the time, you know, strategically planning out the next five years. You've got to get, get down and dirty as well. And do you know what? I actually don't mind that. No, I don't. I don't mind the occasional bit of it. No, no, I agree. You can't get too precious over it because that's probably, the, those that do get precious over it probably don't last a huge amount in in the recruitment industry mm. that's why there's so few people you know like yourself like me and things like that who who are stupid enough or, or however you want to say it to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, have, to have lasted lasted so long but you know i think you should embrace still being at that at the coal face type thing yeah. and getting involved with things shouldn't you i think yeah like exactly cool. in terms of like challenges that that are facing marketers at the moment. What what would you say are kind of the biggest ones around at the moment? So one of the things that I've had I've seen, and I feel like it's something that 
is going to be around for a little bit of a little bit of time actually. So I go, I've been going on and on for about, it feels like 18 months about marketing automation. And this <laughs> I, I, is probably, I knew that was coming. You, you knew we were going to say it. And <laughs> yeah, it's my yeah. kind of bugbear. But yep. do you know what is the biggest bugbear is I know the value because I source track in the last couple, in my previous job and this one, I source track every pound, shilling and pence yeah. that the business makes through the different channels that we have. That's your OEC and bit, I know, correct? Yeah, there yeah. we go. <laughs> um, and I know that the vast bulk of deals done within a recruitment business, certainly the businesses that I've worked within, um, actually most of the, the data comes from your own database. Yes. And so mining that properly is massive. But convincing um, a business owner, and I'm not talking about my business, I'm talking about, go, I've, been, I've been out at three or four or five different um, uh, networking events and spoken to business owners yeah. and said, you know, about the value of mining your own database, but also you know lead um, nurturing and, yeah. and things like that, and they like the idea of it, and they think to themselves, "Well, I spend too much money on LinkedIn at the moment, so the idea of doing my own database would be great." But then when you go to them, it is going to cost you because you need to you actually need to find the right partner and. They're not going to do it for free, so they want their bit of the pie as well. Wonder, That's when they start yeah. making the mechanic noise and going. Yeah. I wonder if they're they're afraid of when you dig deep into that data, that um, that what comes out they're not going to like. Mm. I, you know, I remember looking into a database at a previous company and and things like a lot of this was down to GDPR to be honest, but you know, eighty percent of contacts on there that hadn't been contacted in 18 months and things yeah. like that and that's that's insane <laughs> uh, especially as most most recruitment databases of recruitment firms of you know who have been around for any decent amount of time you're, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of contacts yeah. there and 80 percent of those not being used because because we're living in the the mentality and a lot of recruitment firms do they live in that that mentality of if this candidate is not suitable for this job right now then we'll forget about them. And they, like yeah. you say, there's none of that ongoing nurturing. And there's no excuse not to now. There's plenty of tools out there and things like that. The one that immediately comes to mind, I'm not, you know, not advocate advocating it or anything like that, is someone like Candidate ID, who yeah. do a lot of lead nurturing. But you can do it yourself if you want to do it in-house through yeah. through the multitude of marketing automation stuff, can't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah, and effectively work, work effective workflow planning and stuff yeah. like that is it's important, but I, I think what happens is chief executives or managing directors yeah. they they buy into it, but they see the price. Oh, I've got to pay twenty grand, thirty grand, forty grand, whatever it is, ten grand. They see that one-off price up front, and they think that's a lot of money to come out of my bank balance. I think yeah. that's and recruitment as an industry, but then go, as an and, but then go and industry. spend two, three grand down the pub on a, oh, exactly. on a Friday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we've hit our target, so let's just go and smash that. But yeah. I think that that's where the role of the marketer has shifted from the the brand, the chunky crown degree, as one of yeah. my colleagues called it, um, to you need to be that person that's um, justifying what you're doing, but also you're able to coerce as well so good marketers now actually should be um good sales people good sales people and good <laughs> yeah. debaters they should be able to sit down in a room yeah. with your board and say to them look there's a reason i'm coming to you with this it's not because i fancy a new project and i'm a bit bored yeah. it's because i've seen an opportunity for us to take something that we've already got like our database to mine it correctly and then to provide um, you know quantifiable quality qualitative 
uh, sales leads through our own database yeah. to the consultants so that they can make those placements quicker. Yeah. And that's the, that's the interesting thing. So and why doesn't it happen? Um, as much because I think there's a very traditional view of marketing that yeah. it's you, know, you need to do a PowerPoint mm. presentation I'm going to a client visit I think there's still a lot of that in yeah, the industry yeah, yeah. I think that happens when you have an entrepreneurial industry I think that's changing and I think the ne- I think the change in 10 years time it will not be the same and the reason why is because the entrepreneurs and the business owners of uh, successful businesses in 10 years they time have grown will, up. they've grown yeah. up with the understanding that actually I can do more with the technology or using technology. Right now, it feels to me like we've got a a layer of, and apologies for all of the sort of mid 40s to mid 50s (laughs) year old business owners that might be listening to this, but it feels like there's a layer of people that have been successful in recruitment, they've set up a recruitment business, they've been a bit brilliant at doing that recruitment business and they've made money from it. And now, and and then when they, they, they see things like automation and stuff like that, they think, that just, seems like, that just seems like a lot of money. Yeah. But I think if you, the best businesses uh, and the best business owners are the ones that say, it seems like a lot of money, but if you can demonstrate and if you can properly articulate to me, you know, put your, excuse my uh, coarse language, but put your balls on the block yeah. and say, if we invest this, we are going to make this, mm-hmm. you'll find a lot of business owners saying, do you know what? Okay, let's give it a go. Yeah, I suppose it comes down to to the kind of the marketing people within a business as well. I think traditionally a a marketing function in a recruitment business to start it off is always a a marketing assistant. Yeah, someone mm-hmm. fresh fresh out of university or maybe's had a year or two years experience in a, in a different business and they are coming in to do the tactical stuff whereas in other areas of a recruitment business, I don't know, something like like HR, for example, you'd go for a head of HR kind of straight away and things yeah. like that. So if that shift changes and you and you get someone with some gravitas and experience to start up your marketing function, mm. I think that will help the shift as well, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the the risk is it's obviously It's a bit like you, you here, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it you, you know, you were... For, First-ish marketing? Or no, 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 not with uh, not with Apis Alvi. With SEC, yeah, yeah. I was, but with Apis Alvi, I actually joined a team that was already in place. But the team had only been in place. Well, we're coming out to a year now in yeah. existence. Oh well, um, there was but there was a, a small marketing team, and then the marketing team grew about a year ago. But so then there, there was that realization so. that you know we need someone to look after them and some exactly from a so. from a more sort of strategic commercial, um, commercial and strategic point of view. And I think I've been very lucky in my career because I've actually been exposed to getting involved in more of the commercial side. So when I was at the REC, I did business partnerships. And that for me, it was almost like a hybrid sales and marketing role. And that was like my lightning, that was my light bulb moment really, because what that forced me to do is to focus on what's the end goal, which is making money. So the REC is a not-for-profit, but it still has to make money, so they reinvest it for its members, blah, blah, blah. Um, But what I did is I then had to focus on, well, this is my target I have to hit, I have to now work backwards from that. So then when I moved back, so I did that for a couple of years, when I moved back into the marketing team, the first thing I did, I sat down with the guys and I said, look, I don't give a monkeys like about 
well, I do care about brochures and brand and stuff like that. But the first thing that I care about is actually we need to, we need to be lead generating. We need to be lead generating for the business. How yeah. are we going to do that? So we start at that end point, making money and work backwards. And yeah. so for me, if I hadn't have, if I hadn't have had that exposure, I do wonder which direction my career might have taken because I was very much a brand marketeer. Whereas now I consider myself as somebody who's focused more on the data side of it. You know, what yeah. does the data tell us? And let other people do the more creative elements. Of yeah, it exactly. Too. I'm not the most creative person in the world, as I'm sure yeah. uh, some of my team would uh, would testify. Uh, but but that's fine, isn't it? I think as long as you can visualise and and know what your why and your purpose is from your marketing activity, how you get there, and who you use to get there is you know it's irrelevant, yeah. really, isn't it? Yeah, 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 that's yeah, true. Cool. So in in terms of kind of the successes you, you've had, what would, what would you say would be your, your biggest one? Would it be something at the REC? Um, we launched a new website at the REC. We won a few awards for that, which yeah. was nice. But um, yeah, I think building that team so that what we could actually establish, what we were able to demonstrate, yeah. um, what we were able to demonstrate by the end of my first full year was exactly where we, we had contributed towards the sales process. Again, it's different to recruitment because what we were selling was training to the recruitment industry yeah. or it was membership get membership yeah. or people downloading our uh, research reports and things like that. But we were able to monitor all of that and I was able to feed that back to the senior management team, to the board, to the council, the REC council as well. So from my side, that was a that was a really, really big win. Yeah. Um, and I managed to bag myself a little award as well at the Institute of Sales and Marketing Managers. I've got to tell you this um, really, really <laughs> ridiculous story. It's not not really re- recruitment related, but so we went along, I went along to this award ceremony for the ISMM um, and it was for the Marketing Manager of the Year. Yeah. And um, I, I was up in a, there was five, countdown of five. Yeah. Um, and I, I was pretty drunk by the time but we got <laughs> we got to number three and when my name wasn't called out I said to the wife I was like I well that's you. embarrassing <laughs> that's embarrassing because I because I thought I'd absolutely failed miserably at the interview because you have to do an interview process yeah. um, and then when I, my name was called out as a silver place uh, silver medal whatever it was I was actually over the moon because I didn't honestly think I'd win and the reason I didn't think I'd win is because the guy that won it won it was the marketing manager for Spearmint Rhino <laughs> Uh, and he brought, um, I kid you not, he brought the entire, t- he bought an entire table and filled it with scantily clad women at this business to business award. And Dara O'Brien, <laughs> who was presenting, he just walked up on stage with these like 12 scantily clad women. And Dara O'Brien was like, I don't think I've ever seen a business to business award that will be so memorable in my entire I, life. And oh, I thought, do you know what? Uh, I'm happy to finish to second place to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. Um, and also, you, you're saying that we were speaking just before you, just before we started recording about your, your time at the at SEC or SEC. SEC. SEC yeah. recruitment is that you kind of built something from, from nothing there yeah, to a certain so, degree as well. So that was, um, I came in, um, so they'd had an, an outsourced team yeah. uh, that didn't really deliver anything. There was and no joined up thinking. No joined thing. up thinking at all. Yeah. So it was a real blank slate for me a real blank canvas and that was really good because it enabled me to effectively put my stamp on okay well what is our identity what is our vision our mission our values um how are we going to monitor and track when we make money you know um how do you how did you do that as well because obviously these guys have been 
well, they've been around for what 15, 20 odd years, haven't they? Type yeah. Thing. So you're but, coming in there and saying we need to do this, this, and well, this. Well, what's interesting is that again, it's it's data based. Yeah. So we'd had Bullhorn as a CRM, but nobody actually used it to track. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, where are our placements coming from? Yeah. How are we making them? Pay, pay your seventy pound a month per user per month. For exactly, no reason and that's all. it. Um, yeah. And and we were getting. I was. I started to look at the data and realize. That's when I realized how much money we actually get, or how much placements we make from our own database. And that's when this sort of seed was yeah. planted about you know marketing automation. This is the way forward. Because if you can if you can nurture. If we're already making money from the database, yeah. imagine if we actually interacted with half of these people, a third of these people. Um, yeah. You know, we'd we'd have so much more opportunity. I always, I always say that you look at you look at how many how many placements um, would only be one dealers, yeah, one deal placements a year, and you think, right, if I just changed five of those into two dealers, the impact on revenue. You know, that's going to be the best part of 50, 60 grand. Yeah. What marketing campaigns or techniques can we use to get that repeat business going? It, it seems so obvious, but yeah. hardly anyone does it. No. And again, that's because what happens, I, I think, my theory is that marketers aren't good enough at articulating to senior management. Yeah. If you do this, maybe confidence. confidence maybe, yeah. there's an element of that. Um, if you do this, we will make this, I promise you. Yeah. And if you say that to a business owner, There'll be some that will just, it depends on how much gravitas you have within yeah. your business. If you're confident enough and if you can demonstrate that you are. Just don't screw it up that first time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> be Make confident quick the wins. first time. Yeah. Make your quick wins. Then yeah. you're kind of, you're kind, you're, you've got yourself a chance. And, yeah. and that's what I did. And, you know, I'm sure if you're a marketer and you're listening to this, um, you've probably um, gone through the same pains that you and I have talked about yeah. with things like LinkedIn. LinkedIn charges all a lot of money and we begrudge it. But actually, I'm able to demonstrate through effective tracking that if we spend money on LinkedIn, we get a return on investment yeah, from 20 it. Times so it's turn, like the yeah, yeah it's, it's the it's the it's that kind of necessary evil. But it, if one of the things I always said to the to salespeople when I used to present to the guys at SEC is, essentially, I'm a, I'm, I call myself a data-driven marketer because I will take things away that don't make money, mm -hmm. but I will, I will want us to invest things that make money. Yeah. So I had job boards which I wasn't very popular with. They didn't want to take me out to lunch anymore because <laughs> I was saying... I was, I was getting a phone call from a job board saying it's that time for renewal. And I was saying, yeah, the problem is, though, is we spend 15 grand with you and we've made um, 30 grand this year. That's a times two ROI. I work to a minimum of times five ROI. So unless you're going to drop your prices, we're going to be dropping our usage with you. Yeah, we're better like off that, so. investing that amount into the companies that are making us six, seven, eight times ROI. Exactly. And yeah. all of that is just for me, it was just bullhorn, source code tracking, um, you know, measure it every single month, dedicate time as well. That's one of the things that I forced myself to do. I, I literally Don't get distracted blocked out. by the day. Yeah, I blocked out stuff. half a day in my diary to analyze every single month, to analyze yeah. all of the placements that we'd made in the previous month. And that includes not just placements, but interviews as well, because obviously you've got lead times and stuff yeah. like that. Um, you know, where have they come from? And if I need to, I'll go and talk or I'll phone up a consultant and say, what happened with that particular? Just do some, some spot checking so yeah. that when I sit in, in my CEO's office and say, I think we should invest in this. Yeah. The first question is why? Well, because it's going to make us this. And then it's, is it really though? Yeah, it is. I've got the data. Do you want to see it? And the amount of times that CEOs or MDs would say, no, no, I don't need to see it because they know that you've already got all of the data behind yeah. you, but they just need to know that Call you've my bluff got... There. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Call my bluff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, uh, you know, I think 
like you say, you 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 mentioned earlier, quite proud of what you you left at SEC recruitment type thing and stuff like that. So it's good. Um, I know your answer is going to be data here um, <laughs> in terms of getting people kind of involved and bought in and things like that. But is there anything else you you kind of use to to get people bought in? Whether you know getting people to be involved in in content. I know you you know you're you're quite as much as you say you're data driven. You've done a hell of a lot of content yeah. in the past type yeah. thing, and a lot of the times the the content that you create is reliant on input from other parts of the yeah. business. So you know, how do you get that out of them? If you if you work in marketing in recruitment and you're not good at relationship building, then you're in the wrong sector <laughs> yeah. because recruiters you can't want, silo yourself. Exactly, they yeah. literally thrive on building relationships. That's what they do for a living. So you have to recognise that. So if you want to, if you if you're not working in the industry and you want to work in the industry and you're good at just chatting to people, talking to people, if you don't mind walking over to, if you're all on one site, walking over to someone's desk and saying, "All right, mate, have a good weekend. I do need that." Bit of info from you, <laughs> yeah. though. That, and I having that camaraderie. Email, yeah, yeah. There's there, there's there's a there's a lot of that in a lot of businesses, and it's the, from a marketer's perspective, it's the worst thing because if you if you can establish a camaraderie with yeah. your consultants, then actually they will not only buy into you and what you're doing, they'll buy into the business. But ultimately, you've got to keep feeding it back towards well, how is this going to help you? This is going to help you make money because of this. And that's what, you've got to know the drivers between each of the consultants that you work with. And yeah. each of them are very different. Not every single recruitment consultant will say to you, I just want to make money. Most yeah. of them will, yeah. but uh, it's not always about the money. It's about, uh, for, for a lot of them, they're starting to realize it's about their personal brand. Yeah. Everyone's got an ego. Recruiters certainly have an ego. Yeah. And my view is that you need to tap into that, but you also need to build a decent enough relationship with them so yeah. that kind of relationship development is massive and that's what's helped me yeah. just being able to go over to somebody and be a bit of a I kind of position myself as a cheeky chappy type yeah. um, approach when I talk to the consultants but when I need to be I will say you're going to do this if you don't do it I'll just talk to your line manager yeah. if your line manager says he's got an issue I'm going to talk to the CEO because guess what I'll report into the CEO so it doesn't really uh, cause me <laughs> yeah, a lot of issues so yeah. that kind of helps yeah I think that I think also there's there is an acceptance like you're saying you're you are dealing with individuals here um, and you need to focus on those individuals who are going to give you the most it's amazing how how many how many people I've kind of worked with um, and tried to get involved and things like that. And usually the most difficult people are the best billers. You know, they're yeah. the highest performing. Yeah. They don't, you know, why, why do they need marketing support? You know, they're, they're billing five, 600 grand a year, taking yeah. home 200 grand a year and things like that. So why bother? And Sometimes you just have to leave them to it. If they're fine doing it by themselves, you just have to focus on that bigger picture, don't you? Yeah. Get, get, you know, champion the champions, yeah. really, type thing. That's a big thing, actually, advocates, yeah. building advocates. Yeah. Um, the first thing, whenever I've gone into any business, you essentially find out who are the most difficult people to deal with and see if you can befriend them. Because yeah. if you can... Can you turn them? Can you turn them? Because <laughs> if you can, yeah. then the rest of the business is easy. Yeah, um, yeah, you know the rest of the business will fall into line if those. I mean, it's it's not always easy. Sometimes it's the most difficult challenge is go after those big billers. No. But actually, if you can develop, even if you can't get them to see the value, because they're maybe they're massively old school and they can't see the value in writing a bit of content. Now, I've had 
I had some instances where I've gone up to big billers and said, you know, let's start profiling you a bit, bit. Uh, oh, I, can't, I don't do writing. I'm not really a big fan of it. All right, then. Well, why don't we go into a room and you just talk to me because, you know, let's just have a chat as mates. If you've developed that kind of relationship, you can say, yeah, all right, I'll do that. Oh, well, yeah. I've just got my phone. I'm going to record it um, whilst we're doing that. Yeah, and then you've got yourself, afterwards. And then you've got yourself a bit of content. You it, know, is, it is funny. I, you know, I, I've had exactly the same examples. I, I remember even when I, when I joined the guys at, at Staff Group, they'd been operating for six or seven years no marketing i'd been kind of the first person to go into the marketing there and they'd never done any email marketing and things <laughs> oh, like that I bet that was fun yeah so you go in and you're saying look even the very simple stuff can i have kind of a couple of your latest jobs to put in an email newsletter let alone any any content on the latest developments in you know in tibco in belgium or something like that and it, yeah. it was hard work but if you if you're kind of clear on what you want to achieve and things like that, you just got you've got to be have that courage of convictions to keep going. And you know the best thing about it now is a lot of those guys, three or four of them, since they've left left staff group type thing, they've set up their own businesses and things. I'm like going to come and talk to you. There yeah, we go. Exactly Happy it. days. You can't, you can't, and it kind of gives you validation. We can't, we, can't, we kind of joke about it now and things like that, but. Um, Building those advocates is key. So, so I know this is a podcast where you're asking me the questions, but I'll ask yeah, you the question now. So it's the, it's what the was final the biggest episode, challenge? So yeah, so I can, we can mix it up a bit. Yeah. What was the biggest challenge? So if you are somebody, I'd imagine there's a few marketing people that might watch, listen, watch this. They're not going to watch it because yeah. we're in a room somewhere. But <laughs> yeah. um, to listen to it and they'll be on their own and maybe they've even just started. Yeah. What was your biggest challenge when you went into staff group? Was it building the advocates? Was it... People didn't see it. Was it just because you had to start? What was the biggest? It, it, it was convincing people that that marketing was worth it. You know, thank, thankfully, I had I had kind of two owners who who supported me. They were, you know, they wouldn't have opened up the position and decided they needed to hire it. But yeah, it was just changing. It was culture change. It was, a, it, it was going from from a recruitment business that had been very successful, flying under the radar being able to do deals, get in, get out. They didn't have a brand. It was probably just before everything had taken off in terms of social media. So there was no risk in, in being a little bit worried, a little bit worried. Yeah. Um, and, and then the challenge was to, to change that, be a little bit more content led. You know, looking back now in hindsight, the company was gearing up for a sale within the yeah. next, next few years and things. So we had to reposition ourselves as as um, as a different brand offering different services more than more than job fillers and yeah it was just it was just changing the way people worked and went to market yeah. um, which wasn't kind of pure marketing but as you were saying it, it was it was just changing processes yeah. you know ripping up ripping up seven year old day plans that had set, sat on people's desks telling them what they had to do each time and things is like well look how we go promote the brands, etc., etc. There's a hell of a lot of other stuff that went on. You know, I went in there and it was just Euro staff, and we rebranded and launched three brands within seven months of me, me started and things like that. So that was a, a massive challenge in the background. But yeah, it's, it, it was just shifting from old school IT recruitment to modern day customer-led yeah. recruitment really and yeah. the importance of how massive for you was the importance that the owners were really bought into the idea of marketing maybe it was just because they want was it i can't just have been because they 
they were gearing up to a sale. They no, must have... I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think very high high growth. Um, they're probably spending a bit a bit like you were saying earlier. They're spending quite a lot of money with external agencies on branding, on brochures, and things like that, just because it needed to be done. Um, I think there was just a realization we need more we need more structure here. You know, after seven years of operating or however long it was, they never had a marketing budget. They didn't they didn't know what was working. They didn't know um, what the other options were there. All the people um, other than the founders, you know, the senior management team had started there as grads, so they didn't have any other experiences. I think they just wanted um, a little bit of a, an out outside perspective and obviously there was the, that internationalization is an IT recruiter um, there was a team doing oil and gas team doing engineering and they realized that had to diversify and then create the group structure mm. um, I, I think you know Paul, Paul Flynn who who kind of hired me and he was the driving force behind it he he kind of had a little bit of a marketing background many many years ago if he's listening um like at university <laughs> and things he did like a, a little bit of a marketing degree before he fell into recruitment himself so that always helps um but but yeah lo lots of changes but look back at it fondly for the majority of the years <laughs> um, so in terms of like opportunities and things for for marketers within recruitment at whatever level really what do you what do you see for it you can't you know just keep what? saying data, all right? No, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> data and automation, data and automation. Um, do you know what? I was really surprised. So what was it? A couple of months ago, went along to a conference and spoke along at a, a Camino yep. uh, event. And I'm pretty sure that that same event that happens five years ago, and there's probably me, you, Faye, yeah. Audrey, yeah. David Head, a couple of randoms, <laughs> yeah. and there's like eight of us in a room that turn up, yeah. and that's it, five years ago. Yeah. And I, w I, s I stood in front of about 35 people, yeah. and half of me, I went, like my, my old school mindset kicked in, and I was like, I bet half of them were suppliers. But yeah. actually I spoke to half, half of the people there, and they're all marketeers, yeah. they've come from different parts of the country, and it realized that we've got an industry that's a little industry within an industry that's growing here. Yeah. And that pleases me because it makes me think that there are businesses, more and more businesses are recognizing the value of it. Yeah. Perhaps it's actually because more and more of us are becoming um, the D word led um, yeah. marketers. <laughs> um, and therefore, if you, as an individual, if you can think mainly about what is the primary goal of the business and let's just be down and dirty with this it's to make money yeah you know we're not not we're not all here out of the goodness of our hearts no. it is to make money uh, yeah. let's be quite frank about that and you work backwards from there okay well if the goal of the company is to make money if the marketing's aim is to help that process and if you've got that mindset in every single thing that you do it doesn't matter what you do whether you're putting something onto the website whether you're adding some functionality whether you're developing some content whether you're analyzing whether or not you should bin off a job board or go somewhere else whether you're trying to pitch for more money for automation whether you're developing video if everything you do if you can keep asking the why yeah um, so former chief executive of the rec kevin green um who i know really really well he often said to me three whys if you can ask why three times and you get a proper answer then you should go ahead and do something it's like yeah. well, why are we doing this okay why why is that? Yeah. Why are we creating creating this bit of content? Well, because then it's going to profile the uh, the consultant. 
Well, why do you want to profile the consultant? Well, because then he's going to push this out to his or her network and, uh, you know, it's going to position them as an expert in the industry. Uh, maybe on, we just had the gender um, pay gap report yeah. that's just come out uh, and we've just done something on that. So wh why are we doing that? Well, because then it's going to position them as an expert. Okay, well then why do they want to be positioned as an expert? Because then when, they, when their um, contacts do actually need to speak to them, they'll be forefront of their mind they might get that deal on yeah. board. So it's the three whys. Yeah, if you as a marketer right. can can link everything you do back to that, then you're going to be successful. I feel like I've gone off on a massive tangent. No, that's but good. bringing it back, I guess it was, what's the future hold for us? I think it's positive. I think it's only going to get more positive because it doesn't matter whether the Brexit kicks in or whatever it is and you know industries start to suffer. I feel like more and more recruitment businesses are becoming more intelligent with how they are going to position themselves and they realize that actually marketing is more than the chunky crown degree yeah. uh, as long as it's lead generation do you think like you um, say you had some conversations with the with the people at that event um what's stopping them kind of pushing that agenda now is it is it just a is it a confidence thing with some of the some of the people type thing yeah i think so i think just have the confidence guys come on <laughs> yeah come on just do it i think yeah. <laughs> You, whatever environment you're exposed to makes a difference. So if I, me personally, I spent a bit of time doing effectively sales, you know, even if it was for only 18 months, two years, and it was half sales, half marketing, and that changed my mindset. Yeah. If you can find something that helps you to change your mind, to, to, to get you into that commercial mindset, great. Otherwise, just keep focusing on that end goal and focus on the end goals of the business. Forget yeah. about marketing, forget about anything else. Just imagine, what does this business need to do to succeed this? Well, how do we help that? Yeah. I think more people need to have that. And marketers need to become better debaters. Yeah. And they need to become better coercive, um, you know, um, people that can convince board members. So you need to yeah. be more confident. That's it. The only, the, and the only way you become better at those things that you mentioned, whether it's debating, etc., etc., is putting yourself in the situations where you can actually do it, isn't it? Yeah. Putting yourself in that situation of of having the conversations. I'm not. I'm not saying you know if you've just joined a, a recruitment company and and you're demanding to be in the board meeting every month. That's you know you can start small. And I think you know if I if I hark back to the very first episode we had with with Audrey, that's that, that's something she said is. It doesn't need to be a big thing. It can be the smallest thing in terms of just hanging around a Monday morning meeting across a whiteboard, you know, and just listening and then having the conversation afterwards. But yeah. you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, but you've got to put yourself in those positions because it, it's not going to come to you otherwise, is yeah. it? Yeah. Do you know what I would do? I, if, if you've just started a recruitment, if you just started marketing at a recruitment agency, I would go and find the finance team and say, can you give me the last quarter or give me the last month or just give me a period of time and all of the placements that we've made and tell me where we've made those placements? And chances are, you won't. That if, if some businesses will say, well, here are all of the placement details and here's the values, but we don't know where they've come from. Okay, well, who was the consultant? And then start, start breaking down. So let's just say your company, again, has made 50 placements in the last quarter. We'll start looking at who's made the most placements, the top bidders. Your chances are you probably will know that. You know, if they don't want to talk to you, all right, that's fine. But if you can build a rapport with them and say, look, all I want to know is how did you get that candidate? 
Yeah. And work backwards from there. How did you get that candidate? Oh, I headhunted them, didn't I? Yes, you did. But they didn't just fall out of the sky. You didn't just randomly think of a, a series of numbers that you dialed, and it just so happened that that <laughs> perfect candidate turned up. An infinite so amount of did, monkeys. Yes. <laughs> yes. Time, is it? That's, that's it. Yeah. Exactly. You didn't yeah. just pluck this out of the air. Yeah. So where did it come from? Oh, well, no, I've known that candidate for years. Okay, fine. So have you come? So that's come from. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just phoned them up. They were on my mobile, so I phoned them up. Okay, fine, right. So now we have a bit of data which tells us that's where this has come from. But there'll be quite a lot. That's a, that's a unique instance. Quite a lot of the time it will be, well, actually, I headhunted them. Where from? Well, actually, I looked at them on LinkedIn. Well, actually, I was doing a search. I did a search on the database for skills. And I found them. Okay, fine. I put a job out, ad out, and I found they, them. They they liked or commented one of my statuses when I when I shared the latest blog. It could be even things like that. And then you go, yeah. Oh, so it was the blog. Yeah, That's exactly. Think, so, yeah. And, and what impact? Yes, exactly. We had that. Do you know what? We had that the other day. We've got quite a senior position within the Aquis Search Office here in London. Yeah. And um, one of my team produced a short sort of uh, 60 second video. We fired that out. Um, Sanj, who's the consultant, sent that out. He got a phone call because one of his mates saw some, one of his connections saw it, forwarded it to one of his mates and said, you might be interested in this. Guy phones him up. Sanj has never met him or spoke to him before. Yeah, one of my mates just sent me your uh, your thing that you've just chucked on LinkedIn, and away you go. That's actually marketing generating the impact that 99% of the times, I bet most people never even, most marketers will never even hear this. That's what, that's what I was going to say. How many opposite, times does yeah. that happen? Yeah. So it's, it's about developing that relationship and convincing the consultants that we want to get this information off of you, not because we want to say, well, you're, not, you're only doing half a job because it's landed fully on your lap. It's because if, you do so, if, if we do something that works, yeah. tell us about it and we'll keep doing it so it keeps working. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, before I get into kind of the, the final five questions, seeing that you started the trend, any more questions for me? Um, <laughs> What do you love the most about the work that you're doing at the moment? At the moment, yeah. Uh, well, since I, uh, I started off saying I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't going to plug two ends and things. I think it's, it's almost like I'm a final uh, episode plant or something. Yeah, exactly. Gen- ladies and gentlemen, I genuinely, I'm not. He's just <laughs> um, a mate. We have a few beers. Yeah, I think you know, I'm, I'm, I'm nine, ten months into it after having pretty, you know, steady career really in the past um, six, seven years within within a business um i'm glad i i'm glad i took the leap to to go by myself um just just talking to people you know this is a bit of an offshoot just from the conversations that i've had with so many recruitment businesses whether they're clients or not um is that there's a lot of struggles that are very similar don't always take what you see on the outside as as face value but I enjoy just ha- having the conversations and, and, and generally talking about marketing. Um, I'd like to think that the clients that I've worked with over the past nine or 10 months had a decent positive impact. They've all been high growth clients. Some of them have opened new offices. I can see that some of them have taken on branding suggestions and things like that. So certainly no regrets. I, you know, I really enjoy it. Um, we'll just see where the... Next six to 12 months goes, really. And so, uh, one more, one yeah, more, please. Cool. Um, <laughs> is there anything you miss about not being one of us in-house lot anymore? Yeah, just being in-house team, team stuff, yeah. really. Um, I, tend, I tend not to be at home a huge amount. Um, I try to come up with 
up here to clients and things like that trying to have a beer and things but yeah it is that that office buzz that i think is is quite unique to to recruitment don't get the chance to go on any incentive trips to to vegas or ibiza yeah. or like that anymore which which is a shame but yeah it, it's that it's that office buzz but that was one of the one of the reasons why why this exists really is yeah. to have that chance and you know hopefully we'll we'll have a few beers afterwards when when try and get um, everyone who's been a guest and who's listened to the show done and dusted cool right the last five for you one marketing tool or technology you couldn't live without sorry say that again what? one marketing tool or technology you couldn't live without um, you've already said LinkedIn's a necessary evil yeah do you know what because it does actually provide ROI yeah. I really hate, I feel like I'm plugging them and I don't want to plug it's them. It's happened a couple of times. I remember I remember Sarah said that um, Sarah said that back in episode three or four, I think, and, and Scott Richardson from Harrington Star said exactly the same things. But it's one of those. I, I, I agree. I, I think it's great. It's always provided the top ROI in, in my experience as well. Yeah. It's just being able, I think, from a marketing and business point of view to, to be aware that not that they pull the plug, but they can make changes whenever they want and yeah. what's, what effect does Well, that one of the, the things business? I will say is drilling into the data in my experience, um, LinkedIn and your own internal database make just as much money. And in some instances, like it's fluctuated, but some yep. months we've actually had um, instances where the internal database has made more money from placements on a month-by-month basis than LinkedIn. So it's a pl- it's a... It's um, a tool that, as a business, we can't do without. From a marketing perspective, sometimes it can just be a massive headache. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It is a necessary evil because it does deliver. And yeah, I need to swirl my mouth around with uh, with beer now. I love the guys at LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, the account managers they have in the UK office, and we work with um, a chap called Ferdy in Hong Kong. Yeah. Really, really great guys. But yeah, it's expensive. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, cool. Um, your favourite brand? Oh man. Um, well, I liked Innocent Smoothies and yeah. the, the way, the, the quirkiness uh, uh, that they had a few years ago, but they've sort of... Um, Since they got bought by Coca-Cola? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, not as, it's not as quirky anymore. Um, blimey, that's... You'd think as a marketing person, I'd have a favourite brand. Yeah, but, um, especially as I sent you the questions before these ones. Yeah, uh, you sent me the... <laughs> <laughs> You've absolutely thrown me under the bus there, eh? Um, do you know what? Um... Let's go. I'll go nice and easy. Adidas, because they're about to uh, become oh, Arsenal. Adidas. They're, they're Not about Adidas, to, guys. Adidas. Yeah. Adidas. Yeah. Adidas. Um, they're about to become Arsenal's uh, new uh, kit manufacturer. Right, and hopefully, they'll bring on, back the retro on, move kit. On, move right. on. Um, seeing that you haven't read this question, this will be an interesting one. Which sound or noise do you love? <laughs> um, okay, without well, wanting to sound too weird, like I do this when I'm just walking through my house. Just randomly? Yeah, I'll just randomly be walking through my house. Do, going, does, your, does your wife like that? <laughs> um, I think she wonders, you know, you know the, um, you get like uh, bottles of Oasis and you used to turn the top <laughs> yeah, of them. Yeah. It would make that noise. So yeah. I think she just feels like I've probably got lots of bottles uh, of Oasis. unopened Oasis that I keep opening. <laughs> uh, other than... Um, other than You've got me doing now. Yeah, yeah, you've got to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> What profession other, other than your own would you like to give a go at? Oh, I could be boring and say professional footballer. Too old. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> you're going to get a slap after this. Yeah. Um, what, do I like, what do I like to do? Something to do with people. Um, do you know what's funny? In the summer, I don't know if you feel the same, but in the summer, I am on the tube and you see like tree surgeons and you just think, oh, that'd be awesome. In yeah. The sunshine. But then you instantly think, yeah, you've got to be a tree surgeon in the winter though, when you can't feel your fingers. Yeah. So I'll stick with tree surgeon for now. Can I be a summer summer tree surgeon? Can I be a seasonal tree surgeon? Yeah, yeah. Tree surgeonist? Is that a thing? I think it's just surgeon, isn't it? Cool. Favourite swear word? Oh, that's hard. Um, uh, I like... I'm not allowed to drop the C-bomb. So, I was in Hong Kong, but what I can do... Are you doing the Hong Kong equivalent? Yes. Go go for it. (laughs) So, the Hong Kong equivalent is... Hi. Sorry if I've offended so, <laughs> anyone from Hong Kong <laughs> there. Um, I'm sure iTunes will pick it up as explicit anyway. Cool. Thanks a lot. Uh, so we've come to the end of Series 1 of The Lonely Marketer. It's been a roller coaster, and I hope that everyone has got some value from it. Um, I've really enjoyed doing these podcasts and I've already got some great people lined up for Series 2. Um, still a couple of spaces open, so if you want to be a guest, just drop me a note on LinkedIn, Facebook, wherever really um, make sure you're subscribed um, on thelonelymarketers.com just to get the details of our upcoming social event um, there'll be beer wine pims whatever else we can get our hands on so for the final time this series thank you all for listening I'll speak to you soon thanks Chris thank you thank you